first scripture reading is from the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out, up out of that land, to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. The next reading is from the Old Testament, Psalm 105, verses 1 to 6, 23 to 26, and 45b, and it will be read responsively. Your part will appear on the screen. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wonderful works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. Remember the wonderful works he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of his servant Abraham, 
children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Then Israel came to Egypt. Jacob lived as an alien in the land of Ham. And the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. Whose hearts he turned, he then turned to hate his people to deal craftily with his servants. He sent his servant Moses and Aaron, whom he had chosen. Praise the Lord. Third reading is from the Old Testament, Jeremiah, chapter 15, verses 15 to 21. O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me, and bring down retribution for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, do not take me away. Know that on your account I suffer insult. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. I did not sit in the company of merrymakers, nor did I rejoice under the weight of your hand. I sat alone, for you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Truly, you are to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail. Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you turn back, I will take you back, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall serve as my mouth. It is they who will turn to you, not you who will turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. And the fourth reading is from the New Testament, Romans 12, 9 to 21. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Michelle. Before I start, I'd like to thank Reverend Adams and the session of St. John's 
for giving me the privilege to lead you in service this morning. My sermon is titled, What's Love Got to Do With It? May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart and mind be acceptable to all who have gathered here in this sanctuary and all those who have tuned in online. I'd also like to thank God for giving me the strength of mind and the strength of voice to deliver this message to you this morning. Thanks be to God. When Tina Turner wrote the song or sang the song, What's Love Got to Do With It? In fact, it was written by Terry Britton and Graham Lyle. It became the number one hit on the Billboard chart. And at that time, she was the oldest female to earn that coveted number one position. The words, what's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? What's love got to do, got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? I need a tune in the back of me to sing. In fact, I can't sing very well, but that's what Michelle does. She sings. The words seem simple, very simple, but behind it lies a very deep message. Ike and Tina Turner had a very tumultuous relationship. Today, as Michelle wrote, I read, in Paul's letters to the Romans, he spews a series of exhortations that fly by without much connection. I think some clarification is required. Love is the overarching paradigm for the whole passage. But what does love have to do with leading a righteous life? Paul encourages his audience to use their renewed minds to think rightly to one another in verse 3. He does so again in verse 16. Think the same thing toward one another. Do not think highly of yourself, but associate with the lowly. Do not become proud in your own estimation. And in verse 10, he says, love one another with mutual affection. I am drawing your attention to love being the key word. Paul assumes that his audience knows that they must love each other. He encourages them to make their love for each other genuine. He starts out by letting the Romans know let love be genuine, and then he explores what true love looks like. True love is summed up as hating what is evil and clinging to what is good. It may seem very simple, but in reality, it is very difficult to execute and put into action. Paul gives examples of how to cling to the good in verses 10 to 13. He uses the word agape or or unconditional love in verse 9. Then it becomes more specific by speaking about filial love in verse 10, which refers to the family love of living in a community. The images are powerful and, be, and can be summarized. First one, letting your love be heartfelt. Then being eager to show honor to each other. Being set on fire by the Spirit. Being devoted to prayer contributing or participating in the needs of the saints, and lastly, pursuing hospitality. Participating in others' needs is to give of yourself or your own resources for their material needs, like food, 
clothing, and shelter. True love is relentless and practical. You know, we are called human beings, but I'd like to change that term to living beings. Whether we are Hindu, Muslim, Sikh, or Christian, there is no separate religion. We are living beings. So when we read Paul's letter to the Romans, we have to ask, where have we gone wrong? How did we get caught up in this downward spiral of acts that may result in antisocial behaviors that bring disorder to individual communities or even countries? In chapter 12, verses 14 to 16, Paul asks that we exhibit an attitude fitting for those with transformed minds reversing antisocial patterns. Humility and empathy are required for living in harmony with those beside us. We are asked to bless those who persecute us. We are asked to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep and to associate with the lowly. When we look at someone, do we see a person who may need help from you? Do we see a marginalized, a marginalized person? Or do we turn our eyes away from looking at them? That's a very difficult question to answer. Paul echoes the teaching of Jesus, who said, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. This is indeed a very challenging mandate. It is difficult. It's not easy to do. Very often, we draw lines that are unnecessary. When we were growing up in Trinidad as kids, we developed ways to separate the boys. It was up the hill gang versus down the hill gang. That got us nowhere. On Sunday, when we played cricket, my mother used to make ice cream, homemade ice cream, and everyone came post-game. Food fostered peace. The basis of living in harmony is found in verses 17 and 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not be overcome by evil. These ideas are connected very deeply. When we ourselves are overcome by evil and let spite infect and spread through us like a disease, we break the rhythm of living in harmony. If we were to look at any confrontation, we will see two sides, those who want to impose their views on the others, and vice versa. Look at the debates over laws, the debates over legislation, or political party structural disagreements, and on and on. What if we were to just stop and take a different approach? Instead of bickering, what if we were to ask Christians to look for and live in the light of God's miracles? Our job is to show love. We are not here to judge others because when people pass judgments on others, they are falling under judgment themselves. Let us confront each other, whether we are Christian or not. Sorry, let us not confront each other, whether we are Christian or not but rather show mercy by tending to others in need. What stops us from providing the material needs for our brothers and sisters 
who live beside us. Notice Paul is not asking his audience simply to practice self-control when provoked. They are more to do than refrain from repaying evil. They are to initiate doing good to opponents. This is much harder. But in doing so, we can overcome evil with good, showing that we cling to what is good, expressing the definition of true love. So we've come full circle in chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, in which Paul calls his audience to present themselves as living sacrifices and to be transformed by renewing their minds so that they may carry out God's will, loving each other and doing what is good. It requires us to engage in practical ways. With today's smartphones, practical engagement is challenging since technology and social media make us feel that we can maintain virtual relationships inside and outside the Christian community. We may be able to maintain some connections, but we cannot express genuine love through an app. It cannot love you back. True love requires us to live alongside and engage with others in a full-bodied way. When we help others to succeed, we all win. And just as we help others, there are still others who are going to help us. And that makes the world go around. So it's up to all of us to reflect what we see in the mirror. How we want to be treated is exactly how we must treat others. And when we have this reciprocal agreement in place, the whole world will become the heaven and earth that we want. We do not have to wait to get to heaven to start leading a heavenly life. We can start right now. We can offer things to people whether they ask for it or not and expect nothing in return. And before you know it, that gesture will return to you like a boomerang thrown by someone else who felt that you needed some of their affection. And as we practice this type of filial agape love, we will detect amazing improvements in our lifestyle and interactions with others that we may or may not know. And as we get to know these people, we would accomplish exactly what Paul was asking of the Romans. If we all graduated to live in the spirit of Paul's message, we would create a transformation of life for all humanity. Your assistance may make a world of difference in the, life, in the lives of others and in your own life. And that, my friends, is what love has to do with it. So continue to show love as we await the coming of our Lord. And while we are waiting for him, we must remember to give him all glory and honor for the things that he has done for us and will continue to do for us. Amen.